please join us for the twelfth episode of Bewitched. And something makes three. Bewitched, bothered and bewildered am I. Welcome to Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, our podcast about magical sitcoms from the 1960s. I'm Frank. And I'm Molly. And you're joining us for the 12th episode of Bewitched. And something makes three. But before we get started, we're going to give you a brief synopsis. Louise Tate discovers she's pregnant and then shares her fear of telling her husband Larry to Samantha Stevens. Samantha accompanies Louise to the obstetrician, where they are both observed by Larry, who is just passing by. Larry assumes that Samantha is pregnant and then spills the news to Darren. Darren is initially happy, but then he begins to quietly worry that all of his children will turn out to be witches and warlocks. Excellent. So Samantha is on the deck. The patio furniture is just so classic. It's that white wrought iron with a baby blue cushion. Oh, yeah. Very, really recognizable. You can feel how heavy that lawn furniture is. Oh, I learned about these cushions when I was trying to get a cushion made for my front hallway. Boxed and piped. Ah. It's a box shape. It's tufted because it's got the buttons in it, and then there's the piping all around the edges. So it's the fanciest possible cushion. (laughs) So technical. (laughs) Yeah. Super expensive to get one custom made, I can tell you that. So anyway, she's out there in a bathing suit. She puts on the bathing cap that's all flowers, and my grandma had like 10 different bathing caps. So when I went over to her house, sometimes I would play with them and put on different ones. And she definitely had a couple that were all flowery like this one. The bathing cap reminds me so much of Esther Williams. Oh, yeah. For younger listeners, she was a competitive swimmer who turned into a movie actress. And she was really popular between 1945 and 1949. I honestly don't know what kind of an actress she was. But every movie that she was in, she would have a spectacular sequence with her swimming with like dozens, if not hundreds of swimmers in a really complicated aqua ballet. And it was always something sensational. She really popularized the bathing cap with rubber flower petals. And I think she even sold them. I think she had her own sort of vintage retro bathing costume line. Well, my grandma, she was a sort of a roundish lady all the time I knew her, (laughs) and she loved to swim. And so we would go on vacations and swim in hotel pools, and she loved to just like lay there and float. (laughs) In her flowered bathing cap. Yes, flowered bathing cap and always like a pastel swimsuit. The one piece, usually with a little skirt. I go swim at my gym a couple of times a week. I still see people wearing swimming caps, both men and women, but the age of the bathing cap as a fashion accessory with flowers on them has really 
past. Why don't you get uh, one and just wear it there? See what I'm gonna happens. going to bring it back. Yeah. I'm going to bring it back. Just like Tori Spelling tried to bring back the turban. Yeah. And everyone thought she had the cancer. It doesn't have to be flowers. It could be, you know, maybe little horses on it or something. Yeah, that's manly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Can you take a moment, Molly, to describe Samantha's bathing costume? So Samantha is getting ready to go in, and she has on this lovely blue one piece, very modest, and it has light blue on the top and dark blue on the bottom and a yellow diagonal stripe on it. It comes down almost below her hips, really. Yes, it doesn't. You know, nowadays, those legs just get cut up really high so that they're way up to your hip bone. But in those days, you had to cover your entire bottom cheek. The bottom of the bathing suit in the front kind of goes almost straight across. As we pan out, we see that Gladys Kravitz sees Samantha in quotes, up on the diving board. Gladys is doing some gardening work on her hands and knees across the street. She's sweating, she's wiping her brow, and then she happily sees Samantha just over the Stevens' backyard fence. Okay, but the person that runs up to the diving board has a completely different swimsuit on and a completely different bathing cap. Yeah, it's Elizabeth Montgomery's stunt double. They didn't even bother to dress her the same. I mean, that's not even close. It's TV at a time that no one had a home VCR. Nobody had a pause button. Yeah, they weren't going to sweat it over a a shot that lasted less than a second. Well, I've watched this episode like 20 times getting ready for this. (laughs) And this is the first time I noticed it. So I guess that says something. I'm so glad that we're getting the return of Gladys Kravitz. We've done quite a few episodes without her, and it's the first Gladys Kravitz, who is arguably the best, the wonderful Alice Pierce. Oh, by the way, Gladys is wearing culottes, (laughs) and she sees Samantha diving into the pool, and she just starts laughing in this kind of maniacal, giddy laughter. She's just like so excited to see somebody jumping into a pool that she runs across the street to come and see what's happening. I think it's kind of written all over Gladys's face. She's excited that a neighbor has a pool that she and Abner could possibly take a dip into. Yes. But by the time she comes over to look over the fence, the pool is gone. Indeed. (laughs) A very wet Samantha is running into the house, and Gladys takes an inventory of everything that's in the backyard, and it is the aforementioned wrought iron lawn furniture, a tiny trampoline, and the gazebo, and a lot of astroturf, and no pool to be found. Gladys cries out as if her mind is melting. Eek! And she she runs away screeching, uh, we presume to tell her husband, Abner. Have you ever said eek when you're upset or scared, startled, freaked out? Nope. Me either. Nope, nope, nope. I think I would usually just say something like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. My brain my brain is breaking. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is snapped. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's, that's also a little understated, to be honest. It is. No, I know. I'm not, I'm not very expressive, <laughs> especially when it comes to, like, disinhibited kind of shouting. I just can't do it. <laughs> Right after the standard animated opening credits, we have a writer's credit for Danny Arnold. He wrote three episodes of the first season of Bewitched, 
he actually produced 18 of the episodes of the season and was a script consultant, which is a fancy way of saying that he rewrote a lot of other people's work on 20 episodes during the first season. So this guy was really responsible for a big part of the tone that we have been experiencing. And I think the first season is really, really solid. I would agree. I think the first season is pretty solid. Though I'm not exactly crazy about all the episodes that he wrote. Mother Meet What's-His-Name, which I think is a great episode of Darren finally meeting Endora. Oh, yeah, I like that one. But he also wrote Help, Help, Don't Save Me, which is an episode that really frustrated both of us with its cockeyed message of Samantha needing to pretend to be dumb and not help Darren too much. Yeah, what happened at that episode again? It was the one with the Caldwell soup. Oh, the soup, where she shouldn't help with his cartoons. Right. She she couldn't help him directly. No. She had to influence him. Uh, I I think that was a great episode of our podcast, but we were not crazy about that episode. True. Uh, So, yeah, Danny Arnold. We'll talk a little bit more about him later, but his two great claims to fame were That Girl and Barney Miller were the other shows that he found tremendous success in. Oh, Barney Miller. That actually was his baby. He was the executive producer and wrote dozens and dozens of scripts for that. That was really his passion project. My mom loved that show. I didn't have the patience for it as a little kid, and I probably should revisit it. It was a very adult-themed show for the time. Okay, Samantha is cleaning the house. And Louise Tate calls her from the corner filling station on an old-fashioned rotary payphone. Samantha? This is Louise Tate. I'm at the corner filling station. I must see you right away. Right away? So Louise insists on coming over, and Samantha's quite worried about it because she's all undone. Well, wouldn't it be better if I met you somewhere? So Samantha's wearing what I guess people wear to clean the house, which is slacks and a button-up shirt and a a pink kerchief around her head. Oh, well, uh, if if it's that urgent, Louise, yes. All right, I'll see you. I'll be right there. Good. Goodbye. So she casts a spell to speed up her housework, and we're introduced to a new form of spellcasting where Samantha takes a deep breath and then expels it like she's filling up a balloon. And suddenly, everything she does is on hyperdrive. And this begins something that I think is kind of fun in this episode, which is that Sam begins to use magic without feeling remotely guilty about it or having to apologize. That is true. She uses it all the time in this episode. It's not something she feels like she needs to confess to anybody. It's not not something that she worries about. She's just doing it every opportunity she has, and I kind of like it. And then she comes down in the weirdest outfit. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, it, it looks like a white kind of sports outfit, like a, like a tennis outfit. It's just not similar to other things that I see her wear. Hello, Lou. Hello, Samantha. Louise, what's the matter? Louise comes in in a state. <laughs> Should I talk about Louise's outfit? Uh, it, it, it's something really remarkable. So Louise Tate is wearing a baby pink satin suit. It's fancier than what I would wear to most weddings. She has on full jewelry, earrings, necklace, brooch. She has a matching bag. Is Larry all right? Up till now, yes. 
Well, for heaven's sakes, Louise, what happened? It's double-breasted and comes just right to her waist. Very form-fitting suit. Yeah, it's super fashionable. It's uh, got a unique collar to it. A super wide collar. It does, and it's uh, double-breasted but short in, you know, short cut. Samantha, Larry and I have been married for 16 years. Did you know that? Yes, of course. Well, now, after all this time... Has something happened between you and Larry? Yes, finally. Louise, no! And you can totally tell that she thinks that they're getting divorced. Yes. So anyway, Louise Tate comes in dressed as if she's a bridesmaid at a wedding. <laughs> and Samantha's wearing this weird athletic outfit. Look at Louise's earrings. They're really great. They're like starbursts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they look like little stars with a pearl in the middle. I mean, that seems like a very 50s motif. Atomic age design. I wonder if they're emphasizing by these wardrobe choices that Louise is an older woman and Samantha is a younger woman. Because Samantha's outfit definitely does not look vintage 50s, but Louise's does. I'm going to be a mother. Louise, no! Yes. Uh, Shall we take a moment to talk about the actress who plays Louise? Sure. Her name is Irene Vernon, and she played Louise Tate for the first two seasons of Bewitched. She did a number of one-offs and guest-starring shots in various TV shows like The Donna Reed Show, Dennis the Menace, The Lone Ranger, and then she did a bunch of uncredited extra work in a number of motion pictures. But Louise Tate was her big claim to fame. Wow. That seems sad. I mean... (laughs) The doctor just called to say the tests were positive. I'm on my way to see him now. Will you come with me, Samantha? Oh, yes, of course. Her lips really remind me of Eve Arden and Lucille Ball. I think that there's some unique application of lipstick from this time period that doesn't strictly follow the actual lines of the lips. You're making a shape that sometimes goes beyond the lip line. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's very different. And I feel like whenever Louise Tate speaks, I'm really looking at her mouth because it is really interesting. (laughs) You don't see anybody apply lipstick like that nowadays. I'm terrified. Why? It's the most wonderful thing that could ever happen to a woman. The doctor just called to say the tests were positive. Tests? More than one? <laughs> what sort of tests are these? They used to say that the rabbit died. Do you remember that? Uh, I have no idea what you're saying. As, as a metaphor for being pregnant, I have never heard such a yes, thing. Yes, when you do a pregnancy test, if the rabbit dies, you're pregnant. What? Yeah, we should look that up. Is the implication that there were somehow lab animals? That they like injected with your <laughs> serum and then... If the rabbit dies, you're pregnant. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that is absolutely bizarre. <laughs> well, I'm not so terrified of the thought of being a mother as I am of Larry being a father. <laughs> Larry will make a wonderful father. Oh, God. She's trying to be so positive. She, she knows that's not true. Larry is a jackass as a father, which we'll see in future <laughs> episodes. He barely remembers his kid's name. <laughs> what did he say when you told him? I'm afraid to tell him, Samantha. Afraid? Well, after all these years, I don't think Larry's going to care for the idea. Besides, he hates children. Why? He says they're too young. Oh, my stars. She always says, oh, my stars. I like that when I was young. It seemed unnatural, like something that most people I knew didn't say. 
but I like that Samantha said it. We have to bring that back, along with the flowered bathing cap. Yes, I think that's a great idea. So I thought Louise would be more scared about late-in-life pregnancy. (laughs) Not at all. They are not scared (laughs) about anything related to pregnancy, even though women died all the time then. Oh, my goodness. They're drinking it up and... Irene Vernon was 42 at the time that she filmed this episode. You know, then it's not so unusual that when she's 43, she kind of faded from her acting career because back in those days, 43 was ancient for a woman. Come on, Louise. So Gladys comes back looking for the swimming pool. And Samantha and Louise leave for the obstetrician. Gladys lurks and spies in the Stevens' backyard. She's kicking the floor and, yeah, testing the cement tiles, just trying to figure out if everything is solid. She's the physical comedy lady, looking under the trampoline. Yeah. Oh, now we get to the office. I love this part. Meanwhile, at Darren's office at McMahon and Tate, Darren is looking into Larry's mouth. Well, what is it? cavity. A cavity? Yeah, I think you better have it taken care of, Larry. When was the last time you looked into somebody's mouth and saw an unfilled cavity Uh, and said, oh gosh, I see a cavity? I I can't remember the last time anyone asked me to look inside their mouth, and I don't know if I'm equipped to pass that judgment, even though I've had dozens of cavities. Yeah, when you had cavities, could you look in the mirror and say, oh, look, a cavity? It's funny you should say that, because in grade school, I remember there was this day that we were sent home with these red tablets. Did this happen to you? Oh, yeah, to see how well you brushed your teeth. Exactly. So we were told that after we brushed our teeth, we should chew on the red tablets, then we should smile in the mirror, and our plaque and cavities would come to horrifying relief. And I don't know that it ever really quite worked. Or it could be that my teeth were so bad that... (laughs) Was your whole mouth just red? Yeah, it was. It was. (laughs) My whole mouth was red. It looked like a horror show. And I remember telling my mom that teacher said that we needed to brush after every meal. And I remember her scoffing and saying that the teacher was in the pocket of big toothpaste. (laughs) (laughs) My parents are both immigrants. My dad is a Cuban exile and my mom was from Chile. And that wasn't their culture, brushing their teeth three times a day. So we didn't grow up with that. So it was lots and lots of visits to the dentist and lots and lots of drilling. Do you notice that they've changed those recommendations? No dentist ever says three times a day anymore. They say twice a day. Oh, no, I hadn't noticed that. I think they just kind of gave up on that (laughs) noon brushing. No one ever did it. It made everyone give up on the evening brush. Yeah, right. (laughs) If they they thought, why bother? (laughs) I'm already behind. That's right. I've already (laughs) failed. (laughs) <laughs> hey, haven't you ever been to a dentist before? Only once. My father took me. Well, how old were you? 37. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't laugh. Everyone has their Achilles heel. Mine happens to be in my mouth. <laughs> to the dentist, Larry goes. So then he goes to a professional building. The medical center. Mm -hmm, Where he sees a dental surgeon, and he happens to catch sight of Samantha and Louise going into the doctor's office. So of course he snoops instead of just saying, hi girls, what are you doing here? I know, when I tell Larry, he'll faint. Don't be silly. He creeps over 
and then quietly opens up the door to the waiting room and peers in. Times like these men become very strong. You really think so? I know it. Then he'll probably hit me. Please. Then he'll probably hit me. I didn't even pick up on that like the first 10 times I watched this, but now that I see it, it's like, oh my gosh. I can't believe that they even joke about that. And no, it's terrible. Yeah. And I just can't wait to see the look on Darren's face when I tell him. (laughs) Why, that lucky son of a gun. Back in the office, Darren is looking at a series of graphs on a piece of paper. It's at this moment that Larry bursts in. Oh, hi, Larry. How'd it go? And he is so excited. So excited to spoil this big news. Yeah. He's such a dick. (laughs) What's the matter? They give you laughing gas or something? Darren Stevens, you are one lucky son of a gun. What are you talking about? And then he tries to tell him without really telling him, who do you think I saw? Who do you think I saw when I came out of the dentist's office? Hmm? It's kind of a broad question. I don't know. Who? Guess. I don't know. Samantha. Samantha, what was she doing at the medical center? I didn't talk to her. She didn't see me. Oh? Know where she went? No. Guess. I don't know. I don't suppose I really ought to tell you. Certainly you ought to tell me. All right. Sit down. I don't want to sit down. (laughs) You lucky son of a gun. What are you talking about? Oh, Oh, okay, okay. Don't sit down. But if you fall down, don't blame me, Papa. What did you say? You heard me. Papa. Very poor manners to spoil other people's news. Yeah, he doesn't give a thought to the idea that Samantha might want to be the one to tell him, although he seems to find that to be a very important point later on. After he's ruined it. After he's ruined it. Now it's important that let's all pretend that you're hearing this for the first time. Yep. So Samantha calls Darren from the obstetrician's office and suggests that they make dinner plans with the Tates. Both men encourage Samantha to take it easy. Larry, in fact, instructs Louise to cook the dinner so that Samantha can rest. (laughs) They're back at the office now, and Larry is talking about how wonderful children are. Whatever. Oh, children are marvelous when you're young. Of course, when you get old and tired and impatient, that's a different story. It doesn't sound like you, Larry. Yes, it does. It isn't me. I meant Louise. (laughs) Such a jerk. Well, Lucky... What do you think it'll be? Well, I haven't the faintest idea. Well, one thing's for sure. It'll be either a boy or a girl. I certainly hope so. Well, I'll see you around 7. We'll head for home, Papa. Now, Darren goes into kind of a dream state. Indeed. This is kind of an exciting scene. After Larry leaves his office, Darren has a waking nightmare of Samantha and a brood of witch children descending upon his workplace. They're all wearing really traditional witch garb. The boys in blue and the girls in pink. Initially, it's three boys and three girls, but by the end of the nightmare, I think there might be four or five boys. Yes, there's more. They they kind of multiply. (laughs) Like rabbits. They come in. Oh, the obvious kid on the string comes flying in. (laughs) Yeah, the wire work is not great here. No, it isn't. (laughs) And the kids are super screechy. Yeah. What do you think it'll be? 
Yes, Miss Nelson. Mrs. Stevens and the children are here, Mr. Stevens. Children? Yes, sir. Shall I send them in? Uh, yes, of course. Send them in. Hi, Daddy. So there is a famous kid in here. Yes. I spotted one. You didn't spot any other famous kids, did you? So all the children in this sequence are uncredited, including the one famous child who is Little Endora. I like that they name one of their daughters Little Endora. Yeah. Who is played by an eight-year-old Maureen McCormick, who went on to play Marsha Brady, the oldest and most beautiful of the Brady girls, from The Brady Bunch. That was a show that was five years away. Mother, you tell Maurice to give me back my candy. Oh, yeah? Well, you're getting too fat anyway. Don't you dare say that again. Fat, fat, the water rat. <laughs> Samantha, do something. Now, little Andorra, you change your brother back immediately, do you hear? Do I have to? Yes, of course. Okay. And the kids' names are Rebecca, Samuel, Maurice. I like that there's a, a Maurice, Little Andorra, and Julius. We don't get all of their names, but we get a number of them. Well, and Darren doesn't know what one of the kids' names is. So the kid's like <laughs> painting on his easel. Yes. And he says, you get down from there. Uh, like you can't think of his name, which is really pretty funny. Samantha, are, are all our children... <laughs> darling what did you expect darren is just horrified by this whole scene it's like the worst thing that could happen to have all these witchy children which is of course the theme of the whole show for the next several seasons and including when he does have his own kids he really really wants them to be mortal and not witches of course i just can't understand that playing on social issues this fear is really analogous to people in mixed marriages of what their children are going to look like. At least it used to be a fear, at least. Hoping that their skin isn't too dark. There is a social issue film called Imitation of Life. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes, that sounds really familiar. It was a story that was initially a novel in 1933, and then a black and white film in 1934, and then the film with Lana Turner in 1959, And it's a story about two single mothers, one white and one black, and they struggle out of poverty together, supporting each other, and they each have a daughter. The white mother has kind of cliched white people problems. I'm only sorry I couldn't bring your present with me, but he's a little bit too big. Who's he? Who's too big? That thoroughbred you told me about? The one you last saw? Well, he's waiting for you at home. Oh, you got him? You mean he's mine? Yes. Oh, Mama, thank you. Happy graduation, Angel. But the black mom has a really unique problem, which is that her daughter is very light-skinned, and so light-skinned that she could be mistaken for being white. And as the daughter grows up, we see her from basically a toddler until she is an adult, She keeps on trying to pass herself off as white, and her mother keeps alerting everybody, whether it is classmates, whether it is a boyfriend, whether it's a teacher, whether it's an employer, that, no, my daughter is 
black. Now, put your coat on. What do you want to do, catch pneumonia? I hope I do. I hope I die. Honey, nothing's hurt. You shouldn't have let them They didn't ask me. Why should I tell them? Because that's what you are, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Why do you have to be my mother? Why? And... The daughter gets ostracized. She gets beaten up by a boyfriend. She gets fired from jobs. And she's endlessly frustrated with this. And finally, she cuts off all ties with her mother. Honey, who did this to you? Tell me. Leave me alone. Sarah Jane, you've got to tell me. Who was it? It was her boyfriend. Boyfriend? Yes. He found out I'm not white. Because you keep telling the world I'm your daughter. Anything you can spoil, you spoil. Stop that. Stop it. Don't you talk to your mother like that. I told you, lies don't help none. This always happens when you lie. It wouldn't if you weren't always around. Even though it's sort of a tried and true trope or whatever that people would not want the kid to have undesirable traits, it always seemed like a misfit to me, which is, of course, what it's intended to be. Sure. I mean, I think we're intended to think that Samantha is cooler than Darren. Of course. But he's so worried that somehow it's going to show. <laughs> oh, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. Just like having a gay kid. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, the skin color feels like a good analogy because you really don't know what you're going to get. No, that's definitely true. And that's his endless fear. The mechanics of it are definitely the same, but the witchy part is kind of more of a, it's a behavior. It's a way of acting. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly correct. You know, mannerisms, whatever, whereas skin color is just sort of a static difference. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. He's worried these kids are going to start casting spells and reveal their difference and embarrass him. So yeah, your, your analogy of it being like a gay kid is perfect. The kids are always like in his nightmares, just unruly too. Although to be fair, the naughtiness of those kids was pretty, other than whipping around the room, they actually were kind of okay. Well, one turned another into a plant, I guess. <laughs> that was a little indoor. That was a little bit naughty, but <laughs> fat, fat, the water rat. What's that about? Oh, because uh, she is angry because her little brother stole her candy from her. Yeah, but what's the expression? Fat, fat, the water rat. Maybe it's something witch-like. I, have <laughs> I don't no know. Idea. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, now Gladys and Abner are here looking for the swimming pool. That evening, back at the Stevens home, Abner Kravitz is furiously arguing with Gladys in the Stevens backyard. Gladys, even if there was a pool, you can't find it now. It's dark out. I don't know what they did with it, but it's here somewhere, Abner, and I've got to find it. We'll get arrested, Gladys. Gladys, you don't yell. (laughs) Why don't you stop all the noise and help me look? I looked already, Gladys. Why'd you look? Poor Gladys is wearing the same outfit. Samantha's about to come (laughs) out in her third outfit of the show. I looked in the garage. There is no swimming pool. I examined the yard from one end to the other. No swimming pool. I even looked around the back under the garbage can. There is no swimming pool. Look once again, Abner. Yeah, and Abner has the very real fear of being arrested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are trespassing. They are trespassing. There is a very romantic idea that you can just trespass if you're trying to solve a mystery like the Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew or Jessica Pletcher. Yeah. You're really not allowed to do that to solve a mystery, are you, Molly? Trespass? No. Yeah. How long do you think they'll be here? Any 
minute now. Why don't you try to relax? I can't relax. I'm scared to death. The ladies are coming out of the kitchen. Yes, Sam and Louise are preparing for their husband's arrival. Why don't you have something to munch on? That ought to calm you down. That's a good idea. Do you have any Indian nuts? <laughs> no, I don't think so. You know, lately I'm crazy about them. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> oh, there they are. Now you just relax. I'll get it. Sam is wearing a recycled dress. Oh, is it recycled? Yeah, it's from the episode Help, Help, Don't Save Me. Oh. This is the sexy dress that Samantha puts on to appease Darren when he's being his most despicable in that episode. Uh. She even describes it to her mother as her sexiest dress. Well, it is a very sexy dress. Can you tackle Louise's dress? Man, I love Louise's dress just because it's so wild. It is crazy. Why is she in this wild dress? Okay, start describing it, please, for our listeners. They can't see it. Okay, so she's wearing a a spaghetti strap, white dress with maroon fringe and a maroon kind of scribbly pattern all over it. The fringe is across the bust. It's tight at the waist, and then it has these huge pockets yeah, the pockets are really eye-grabbing. They're like saddlebags. Yeah. They're deep and enormous, and they're pockets because you see them visibly opening. Yes. Now, I love Louise's dress. I just think it's so unusual. It seems genuinely stylish. They kind of switched places with Samantha now wearing the really conservative outfit and Louise just wearing something crazy, wild. Agreed. She asks for Indian nuts. She's having a craving. Indian nuts were a popular snack food that were often provided at movie theaters. They are a type of pine nut, and they were often provided with a shell. So you'd eat them kind of like pistachios. You'd have to take a moment to de-shell the nut and then eat the pine nut inside. But since the pine nuts were so tiny, as all pine nuts are, eventually it fell out of fashion, and they stopped providing them at movie theaters. They also made a terrible mess. Were they spiced in any way? I don't believe so, no. They were slightly sweet. Interesting. So the doorbell rings, and lo and behold, it's the Kravitzes coming to ask a question. Good evening, Mr. Kravitz, Mrs. Kravitz. Good evening. Uh, Mrs. Stevens, do you have a swimming pool? No, no, we don't. Are you absolutely sure? (laughs) Yes, of course. Thank you. Good night, Mrs. Stevens. Good night. As Samantha shuts the door, you can see that she says, oops. (laughs) Oops. So she knows that she's been found out by Gladys Kravitz, although you have to say that was a pretty exhibitionist kind of show of magic when she's diving into a pool in her backyard. I approve. (laughs) (laughs) What in the world would make them think we had a swimming pool? The husbands arrive finally with uh, bouquets in hand. They both kiss Samantha and give all of the flowers to her without even giving a sidelong glance to Louise. Yes. It's uh, a bouquet of red roses from Darren and, of course, a bouquet of pink carnations from Larry. Is that sort of the meaning of the flowers? Like that's more of a friendly gesture? The roses are more romantic and the carnations are more... Garbage. Well, they are garbage. I mean, let's face it. Garbage flowers. Let's face it. Carnations are garbage. Don't ever buy anybody carnations. (sighs) These are for you. Oh, 
thank you. And so are these. Well, they both comment even that Samantha smells good. You look lovely. You certainly do. That's a beautiful dress. Thank and you. you smell beautiful, too. How about that perfume, my Darren? It's perfect. Well, aren't you both nice? I think I'll go and put these in some water. Well, I'll help you. So Larry's making drinks for everybody. Yeah, a pitcher of martinis. Yes, and there's absolutely no concern about giving any pregnant woman martinis in this in this show. Who's for a martini? Great idea. I'll have one. Me too. They do pause to make sure that she only has a small one. So there might be a little bit of concern, but not enough to stop them. You think you ought to, Samantha? Sure, why not? Well, I mean, uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe it'll spoil your appetite. Oh, nothing can spoil my appetite. Well, all right, but uh, just one, a little one. A small martini. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, the the coupe glasses they're drinking from are pretty tiny. They are. I'll have one. But, you know, certainly the current advice is that pregnant women are not to drink any alcohol in any amount while they're pregnant. Unless you live in France, and then it's okay. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have one. (laughs) So... Louise is just hopelessly asking for a drink from the other side of the room, and everyone's ignoring her. Yeah, I think she asked like three times. <laughs> yes. Larry, I'd like a drink. All you have to do is ask. <laughs> you dress? Yes. You like it? I might. How much to cost? Not very much. I'm crazy about it. <laughs> that dress probably did cost very much. I agree. Yeah, I think it was probably some designer getting their work on the show. Larry, I'd like to talk to you. Well? So Louise starts to bumble about trying to tell Larry, but he keeps getting quite focused on her weight. So obnoxious. It is, and she doesn't look even a hint overweight. He says her dress is too tight. (laughs) She says she wants another martini, and he says maybe you should lay off those because you're getting fat. Oh, my God. What about my weight? Well, martinis are fattening. Two of them? It all adds up. You know, I've been noticing, uh, lately you're getting a little thicker in the waist. I am? Well, it's nothing to get panicky about, but you could try a little exercise during the day, you know, uh, push-ups or knee bends or something. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine how many poor housewives were doing knee bends in the 60s, (laughs) trying to get thin? Poor things. And also, martinis are not fattening. No, they're not really particularly fattening, are they? They're like 125 calories. And they're not even having olives in theirs. No, they're just plain old (laughs) martinis. The irony here is that the only skinny thing about Larry is his fucking necktie. (laughs) Yeah, he's the biggest person in the room complaining about people's weight. I can't do that, Larry. Why not? I'm going to have dinners on the table. Come and get it, please, Larry. Okay. Going to have what? You're going to have what? I'm going to have dinner. (laughs) So they sit down to dinner. Darren pulls out Samantha's chair for her in a very classic act of chivalry. Thank you, darling. Aren't you sweet? And Louise waits for a bit, but no one comes to her aid, so she has to seat herself. I never really understood the little ballet of pulling out someone's seat for them. No, it's kind of awkward. Because you have to time it exactly right. Because you have to like pull it out a little bit and then push it in. And then they have to lift their butt up a little bit. And then you push it in a little bit more. 
<laughs> I don't know. I can never quite time that right. I think it's easier just to seat yourself. I agree. I would prefer not to have my seat pulled out for me. Larry, I have something to say, and I'm going to say it. Louise is uh, bolstered in her courage by two martinis that she just slammed. Oh, yeah, that's right. We should mention the fact that both of our parents smoked while they were pregnant with us. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they drank. I mean, my parents did. I don't know if you're, did your, does your mother drink? There's no record of it, but there is a photo of her pregnant with me smoking. She looks divine. Well, what is it? This morning, Samantha and I went downtown to see a doctor. What happened? He kicked me. I'm sorry, my my foot slipped. It was an accident. My parents definitely drank, just like the Stevenses do. They would have been making martinis when people came home from work. I can't imagine, if no doctor told her not to, that my mother didn't take a drink while she was pregnant. Plus, I was very close to the thalidomide age. What is that? I don't know what that is. Thalidomide was a morning sickness drug that they gave to women that caused people to have babies that had no limbs. Oh, no. So they'd just have like a hand coming out of their shoulder. It somehow caused the long bones in their arms and legs to not develop. There were many babies born with these anomalies, especially in England, but also in the United States. And it was because they were being given this drug, thalidomide, for nausea when the mothers were pregnant. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. How horrifying. Yeah, so I was very close. I mean, I can't imagine if my mom was sick and the doctor gave her a drug, she would have just taken it, like any mother, I guess, back then would have. Nobody was had the knowledge to be concerned at all about any drugs. And now it's just a long, long list of don'ts. Don't eat deli meat. Don't eat sushi. Don't do hot yoga. Yeah, no soft cheese. Yeah. Just think about that for nine months. No so yeah, cheese. so it, it makes sense that it's really easy to say total abstinence because how the hell do you define light drinking yeah. while pregnant? Yeah, Every, everyone's light drinking is something very different. Except in France, where it's Except totally in France, okay, as you said. <laughs> They're not affected by the same health issues that we are. They eat soft mm. cheese. I bet the French women eat soft cheese through their whole pregnancy. And drink wine. If we have any French listeners, please let us know if this is the case. And their babies are very well behaved, I hear. (laughs) Go ahead, Louise. We went to see Dr. Brycey. And Larry, you know what? Yes, I know what. You can't keep your mouth shut, that's what. Larry! (laughs) It just sounds like the thing that a a wife beater would say. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, I'm sorry. I know you were at Dr. Brycey's. I saw you. You mean you know? So Larry insists that Samantha tell Darren after they all have this mistaken impression that they know what's going on, but of course they don't know what's going on because they still all think Samantha's pregnant. Of course I know. (laughs) Don't be angry, Larry. It's made me very happy. I was hoping you'd feel the same way. I do. I think it's marvelous. But I also think that Samantha should be the one to tell Darren. It's all right. Samantha? Sure? Go on. Tell him. All right. Darren? Yes, dear. Louise is going to have a baby. It takes a moment for the shock to sink in like it does on all television shows when everybody figures out what's going on. Who? Congratulations, Darren. 
fucking son of a gun. No two people in the world are dearer to me than you and Louise. And now there's going to be... But then Larry's suddenly struck by the truth of it. Louise? Louise? Louise! You? She apologizes. After all this time? I'm sorry, Larry. What do you mean, sorry? I think it's wonderful. How do you feel? My leg is killing me. Still doesn't say sorry for kicking her. I just can't understand why it took you so long to tell me. I didn't know how you'd feel about it. Great. That's how I feel about it, just great. Samantha and Darren run out into the living room. You thought it was me. I sure did. <laughs> that isn't all I thought. Oh, what else? It's not important. Samantha, when we do have a child, what sort of child do you suppose it'll be? Your guess is as good as mine. Oh, I know it'll be a boy or a girl. Won't it? I imagine. A boy or a girl, what? I don't know. Why wouldn't she know? Well, how could she know? It's a mixed marriage. I just hope it'll be a happy child with your eyes and your hair. And it would be nice if it had my... (laughs) They kiss and everybody's happy. She's clearly wearing false eyelashes in that shot. (laughs) There's no question that those are... I mean, if you look back at that shot and just see... Just how elephantine her lashes are. They're ridiculous. And then when she kisses Darren, the angle of the shot, you can just tell. Molly, you and your false eyelash obsession. It's not an obsession. It's just the (laughs) truth. I just never... When I was young, I would have just thought that Samantha had these naturally completely insane length eyelashes, but of course she was wearing false eyelashes. So in the epilogue, it's the next morning and Samantha is about to go for another magical dip when she notices Gladys already spying on her from over the fence. So she decides to do some trampoline exercises instead, which is an easy way to get yourself on America's Funniest Home Videos. Really? Because lots of trampoline accidents. Gladys seems to accept that she was mistaken, and as she's walking away, she can hear the splashing of Samantha diving into a pool. And she begins screeching and running off towards her house, undoubtedly to let Abner know that she's gone insane. Of course, this is the part where we see the stunt double again. And in this case, the stunt double is dressed correctly. She's wearing the same bathing suit as Samantha was. But you can tell it's close enough up that you can tell that it's just not Samantha. It's a completely different woman. They they weren't going to risk injury for Elizabeth Montgomery on that dumb little trampoline. Yeah. Molly, it's time for Can We Forgive Darren? Oh, yes. Can you forgive Darren, Molly? Oh. He was worried about having a witchy child. He was worried that his mixed marriage was going to lead to progeny that he might be embarrassed about. Yeah, I just, I find that really offensive. Agreed. No, I really can't forgive Darren. I think that Darren doesn't seem so bad in this episode because Larry is being so vile right next to him. It's often hard to even pay attention to how rotten Darren is. 
Also, you might want to give Darren a little bit of a pass because he's worried about these things, but he chooses not to share it with Samantha. We get a rare insight into his brain and how his mind is working on the subject, but he just keeps it to himself. Yeah, I guess you're right that he doesn't wave it in her face. Can you hear Fisher chewing his bone in the background? Yeah. I thought it was you chewing on a bone. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I hear the music. Must be time for us to go. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again next week when we will be returning to I Dream of Genie. No! (laughs) Yes. Before we go, I do want to mention a couple of comments that we received. Oh, yeah. Tell me. In episode 15, which was anybody here seen Genie? We got a funny little comment from Allie who said, I loved the comment about Tom Selleck being cool or not. That was a fun episode. I wonder if Allie is my son Nathan's girlfriend. Uh, Perhaps. Could be. Only she knows. Only she knows. There's lots of Allies in the world, but I know she's a fan. And for episode 17, Witcher Wife, we had a little comment from uh, Mark saying, great episode. Also, luncheon is not a verb. (laughs) So thanks, guys. It's awesome. Until next time. Until next time. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered is a production of the Piwacket Podcast Network. Our opening song is sung by Melissa Arning. A special thanks to Melissa for letting us use it. And something makes three. It's a dumb title. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and I then remember it. No matter how many times I thought about it, I couldn't remember. <laughs> it's like something about three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And I can see your sound wave now. And speak a little bit for me. Hello. And now sing for me. I cannot sing. Sing the theme song to Green Acres. <laughs> okay, I'll sing the uh, Eddie Arnold so- side and you sing the, the Ava Gabor side. <laughs> Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside. New York is where I'd rather stay. I get allergic smelling hay. I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that's <laughs> awesome. And your sound wave looks your sound wave looks beautiful. So um, okay. I think we're ready to proceed with the countdown of one, two, three, and clap. Okay. So One, One, two, two, three. three. 
on the front of your uh, recording device, does where is your volume at? On the very front, right underneath the red light. You say front. Is that what is that the side that's supposed to face me? Yes, because otherwise you're not recording into the side that's recording your voice. Oh, it'll sound I was, muffled. I was uh, I had it turned around. Now you can see. Look at my sound wave now. Oh my it's goodness! Crazy. <laughs> All right. So, what happened? What you're do you gone. mean? I'm not mute. I'm still here. Can you? You can hear me. I can hear you. Yes. What did I unplug? Whoa. Molly, stop. Stop moving. You're talking and talking, and I can't hear a thing you're saying. You're touching your mic again. Sorry. No, that's all right. I think I, I was bump. To... I think my leg is touching the table. Is that what it is? Yeah. We're going to have to take that leg off. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's like satin or something. It's got some sheen to it. Definitely so shiny. I, I, I was almost worried for her being in a filling station. Yeah, what was she doing <laughs> she in looks... a filling station? Well, you know, <laughs> back get then she didn't all over that lovely suit. She didn't have to touch anything. Remember, those guys <laughs> would come out and fill up your tank for you. I suppose, but even entering the filling station to make the phone call. Did you ever have that where the guys came out and filled up the tank? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that was that was still happening in places in New York while we were growing up. I kept doing that as long as it was available. I would drive around <laughs> town to the one filling station where they would do that just so that the guy would full fill service. up my tank. Right? Is that what they called full service yes, back then? Yes, full service. They would clean your windshield and they would fill up your tank. You probably were supposed to tip them. I don't know if I ever tipped them. <laughs> but they'd get to be like people you'd know. Like if my grandpa brought us to the filling station and a guy filled up the tank... He'd say, hello, John, and they'd talk for a little bit about whatever, and it was, all, it was a thing. It was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he debates with Darren about the, the gas and the drill. He was hoping to get gas for his cavity, and Darren says it'll just be a little stick with a needle, and it'll only last for a minute. I've never had gas at the dentist. At any, I've been to lots of different dentists. And I've never had gas. Have you, Molly? Yes. I have huh. had gas. When I was young, we used to get gas for cavities. And would it make you loopy and you had, your have, and you had to have a parent take you home? Yes. Oh, wow. It was quite a pleasant experience. I love the gas. <laughs> it was just, you just got real dreamy and floaty. And then pretty soon you were done. Excellent. Yeah. So wait, were you, does the gas anesthetize you? I mean, does it make you fall asleep and then you don't feel anything? Or are you awake and loopy and don't feel anything? You're awake and loopy, I believe. Because if it really made you fall asleep, they'd have to protect your airway. Okay. And they don't do that. So, of course, they've stopped using the gas. Maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe they should have been protecting more airways back in the day. I have to admit that I share Larry's fear of dentistry. Do you? Uh, Did you have an Achilles heel? Like uh, fear of dentistry? Oh, I'm afraid of tornadoes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Super afraid of tornadoes. It used to be when I was young, if it was sunny out and there was just a good strong wind, I'd get scared. Uh, Well, when there was obviously not a tornado coming, but. Are tornadoes commonplace in Minneapolis? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
I'm much. I'm really over it now. I'm not afraid anymore. But for a long time, I until was you saw things. the movie Twister. Yeah. <laughs> well, there happens to be a big thunderstorm going on outside my house right now, and it looks like it's probably picking up on the podcast to some extent because I can see the fuzziness of the baseline of our sound wave. So what does Larry do when he has secret information that, oh, the painting in that doctor's office. Man, (laughs) that is a good painting. It's a wet street scene, that 1950s wet street scene thing. Of course, yeah. We're very, uh, you know, quote, impressionistic, unquote, but... Those wet street scenes with reflections were really a commonplace kind of decorative painting back then. That's kind of awesome. I love that. So, so Larry is back. V- yeah, back in the <laughs> office. He seems to really be studying those graphs. Yeah, one of them shows like things going up. <laughs> the next one shows them going <laughs> down, and he kind of traces it with his pencil. And it's like, Darren, all you do is draw cartoons. What are you doing with these graphs? (laughs) Stop. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like Gladys or the Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew or Jessica Pletcher. None of these people have a license, a detective license of any sort. They're just busybody, nosy neighbors who want to figure something out. They're not allowed to trespass, right? Right. That's definitely true. You know, I hate to... uh, This is a total... Digression, but what exact what rights does a detective license actually give you? Uh, you could say that you were investigating a violent crime, and so you were there for a reason. Like there was evidence. You, I think you can't go into they people's might go, yard. You can't. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't watch crime procedurals, so I am not an authority. Hmm. Do you? No. All right. I really don't. I watch some of those true crime shows sometimes, but I've really not been into crime procedurals at all. Maybe we should ask our listeners. I'm sure they're like true crime is the biggest thing in podcasting these days. I'm sure that somebody out there knows what difference it makes if you have a detective license, if any. I don't know. My influence is that even though I have a real job, I'm sitting here talking to you about episodes of Bewitched. (laughs) <laughs> well, this is our hobby. This is our pa- This is not a job. <laughs> this is why this is fun. <laughs> you can't say we aren't uh, influenced by TV, though. Oh this no, is, no! This is well, the ultimate influence. Here we are. Time that we could be just loafing off, and instead, we're trying to put and, together a podcast, trying to entertain people with our fantasies about television. I suppose. <laughs> I. I mean, like I. The, honestly, I was just thinking, like, what would I be doing if I was not recording this podcast? And I probably would be continuing to watch the first season of Green Acres. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I'd just be watching more TV, <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> and Louise says this morning that she and Samantha went to see a doctor, and Larry gives her a good swift kick under the table. That is a solid kick. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I regard that as abuse. That is not light. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but uh, at least he didn't hit her in the face, which is apparently what she was worried about. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Well, let's count our blessings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> creep. Total creep. And her craving is for Indian nuts. Did you look up what Indian nuts are? You know that I did. Of course you had to. 
You know, I'd meant to ask you about whether or not you had any sort of pregnancy food cravings. Oh, yes. Uh, spaghetti. I ate a lot of cold spaghetti. Cold spaghetti? Yeah. With sauce? Yeah. Or just... Okay. Yeah. I have always eaten cold stuff out of the refrigerator the next day, like leftovers, without heating them up at all. I uh, I guess I grew up in the era before microwaves, and it would have been too much trouble to like turn on the oven. Ooh, I grew up without a microwave because my mom was convinced it was like chemotherapy. Oh, really? Yeah, she was terrified of them. So we, ne- I never lived in a house where we had a microwave. Hey, I wanted to ask you, when your mom said the toothpaste people were in somebody's hip pocket? Oh, that my teacher was in the pocket of big toothpaste. In the sure. pocket of big toothpaste. Is that an expression in Spanish as well? Um, or did she say something else? She said the equivalent. The equivalent. <laughs> you're you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. She she said ah uh, they're just trying to get you to buy more toothpaste. Uh, um, this was some marketing ploy to get you to use up your tubes of toothpaste so quickly that we'd have to buy some more for you, and that we're, we weren't going to fall for that scam. <laughs> not not in our house. <laughs> so no, instead we're going to play pay. Instead of spending three dollars on another tube of Crest toothpaste or Aim or. Uh, whatever we had, Big Red, uh, we're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on dental work for you and your brother was, and your dad and myself. Was there a toothpaste called Big Red? Um, no, what was it? It was called, uh, it was called Close Up. Oh, Close and Up, it was, yes. It was, it was red, and I think it was cinnamon flavored, and the commercials were always of very photogenic, sexy people kissing, and you could tell that they had really good breath because nobody would kiss without cinnamony sweet breath. I loved close-up. That was one of my favorite uh, We were not allowed to have it. That, was, uh, that, that toothpaste was a mortal sin. <laughs> close-up, yeah. It was clear and red. <laughs> it was really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I was always super fascinated with it. Yeah, unlike those red tablets that dissolved all over your plaque. <laughs> It was really, it was impossible to tell where the tooth decay began and the, the tooth ended. It's, it's, it was all bad. What kind of genetic <laughs> disruption was done by those red tablets that they passed out at every, every elementary school in the country. Well, I, I never, I was not a Flintstones kid, so I always assumed that Flintstones were probably similar to what those tablets were. What? Flintstones vitamins. Oh, you know, oh. You have Flintstones chewable vitamins, and uh, uh, I, 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 we never had those. Oh, we had those. Uh, I like braggy the ones with iron because you could taste the iron in them. Mmm, iron. Chewed it up, you know, and you, you could tell there was like a grainy iron-like substance in them. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> it is, but it's true. <laughs> See if we get so a what, comment about that. <laughs> when when this is all going into the into the outtakes anyway. <laughs> um, when I asked you about like if you had any Achilles heels and stuff, so you mentioned tornadoes, but nothing to do with like doctor's visits. Oh, going to the doctor? Like, no, I mostly yeah. Love like to I go I, to the I could never stand needles. I I could never stand blood being taken. My I, and I had that in common with my dad. My dad was just faint at the side of of. of Needles or blood? I donate blood now. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. 
it's easy. You go in and you feel like, uh, you know, it's not a fancy place and it seems like you're with a lot of people that might be there because they really need to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Just donating. But it's supposed to be good for you really to donate blood. Is that right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a good deed. Yeah. I, I I need more of those. Yeah, it's an easy one. 